We have all experienced storms in our lives, haven't we? Times, like he said, where you say, God, do you love me? Because if you do, why am I in this situation? Or perhaps you even thought, Lord, do you even know what's going on? Because if you did, certainly you would change the circumstances. Well, today we're in the final series, or the final set in our series on doubt. And what I want to do is take you through a personal journey of mine through a rainy season. But take me out of the picture and put yourself there with your circumstances and your experiences. Because rain can cloud things up and can cause us to start to doubt. And what I want to do this morning, even though I'm on the other side of the the storm I'm going to talk about, I can look back and say, just like in Deuteronomy 131, there I saw how the Lord my God carried me as a father carries his son. So this morning, let's look at some ways that we can help stop the flailing and the screaming just enough so that we can allow God to just fully embrace us during these times and to quiet ourselves so that we can hear him say, I love you. You're gonna make it. Now, one of the ways that you can know that he loves you so much is by reading his word, reading the Bible. And before we even get started here, I'd like the ushers to come on down If you do not have a Bible today, you forgot one or you left it at home, just take one from the ushers. It is yours to keep. We believe that the words in the Bible can sustain you and change your life and can sustain you through periods of rain in your life. I mean, the Bible tells us that. On the Bibles we just handed out, if you go to page 826, which is 2 Timothy 3.16, It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is a profitable and useful book because God wrote it. He is the source of it. And it becomes useful when we open it up and start to humbly apply it in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and powerful. God's word is able to seep into every nook and cranny of who you are. Look at the words in Hebrews 4.12. It says active, living, judging, dividing. It's a powerful book. And it's absolutely essential that we be in there during the times, not just the times of rain, but more so in the times of rain. Life's funny because it's a mixture of things, right? One moment you can be on the highest of highs, the celebrations, the excitement, but the next moment, the next day, the next week, you can be at the lowest of lows and experiencing pain and suffering. Now, I love the highs. I love the joys. It's the other stuff that I'd love to do away with. Because those things bring ache and pain. And I really do wish I could just stop 
and freeze those moments that were joyous. Now, one of those moments for me was at my father's testimonial um, in June 10th of 2001, where the town of Somerset, Massachusetts, was celebrating the 36 years of my father's um, service as a public music educator in that town. Now, all of our family was there, my brother and his family, my sister and her family, aunts, uncles, cousins. People flew in, alumni that were there in the school 20 years ago flew in from wherever they were in the country to just pay tribute to mom and dad and what they meant to them. What a special evening that was to me. I remember it. It was one of those sunny days. You know, one of, some people call them rainbow days where you can just feel God's presence in everything. And there was like no rain in sight. None. But the pictures of those days, they give me great and huge smiles on my face. But at the same time, they caused me to ache inside. You see, just 19 days after that, my parents called and said that my sister, age 38, with two very young kids, a marriage, has terminal colon cancer. And just six months after that, on January 18, 2002, that same family that was sitting in those pictures was surrounding my sister as she took her last breath. On that day, I became acutely aware that life has uncertainty. And we know that, don't we? I mean, it's not like death was a new concept to me. But what I couldn't understand, I just said, Lord, it's not supposed to happen in this order, right? I mean, you've asked those questions, whether it's a death, a broken relationship, finances, no matter what the circumstance, you come to God and you say, what's going on here? What are you thinking? Why am I here? What complicated things was that my sister's marriage wasn't going well at all. It wasn't going well before the cancer, and on the news of the cancer, it got even worse. And so not only did she have to battle the cancer, she had to battle her husband at the same time. And I remember thinking, this just isn't fair. You know, some of my thoughts I, wouldn't, I don't even want to share, but you can almost guess where I'd go with those. And I remember during that time, in my quiet times, the verse John sixteen thirty three. It says, I have told you these things so that in me, this is Jesus speaking, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, the Bible is filled with people who are doing life and experience pain. Even Christ was experiencing trouble, and he was facing death. But what he said in Luke twenty-two forty-two, I could relate to. And I paraphrase. This is when he was praying. He said, Father, take this away from me. Don't make it happen. I was thinking those same things. But why did I think that my life was going to be exempt from the bumpy roads when others, including Christ, was experiencing it? Have you ever thought that same thing? I mean, here, Christ warned me not to expect a series of joy rides, but Rob, expect some bumps. But the second half of that Luke verse helped me out tremendously. Because he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was dependent on God the Father. And he was going to be obedient to that even in the face of death. 
So in my circumstance, I had a choice to make. Was I going to continue to battle this situation myself, or was I going to seek God? And I would say, don't hide or run away from God. Go and seek Him. If you don't get anything out of this series or the past two weeks, get that one thing, and that is run to God with your life. But know that in some cases, your feelings will be left behind. They'll be telling you one thing, but you ought to be doing another. So your feelings will catch up. We have a a tendency to try to fix things ourselves or to try to sit there and say, why is this happening? I need to land on a reason. And we can get caught up in that cycle of trying to figure out why this is happening. And when we do that, we can fail to seek God because all of our energies are going into this why question. And we can fail to let him be as active and powerful as he could be because we're fighting it and resisting it. Have you been in that spot? Satan absolutely loves this spot. When he can keep your eyes off of God and keep you in this state, he is one happy camper. And the Bible tells us that. It says, For he, Satan, has come to kill and destroy, but I, Christ, have come to give you life. And if we stay in those cycles of the wise, it can kill us. Not physically, but it certainly can do that emotionally. And it will steal your energies from running towards God. It's like, have you ever been so angry with somebody or something that the more you think about it, the angrier you get? And it's like throwing fuel on a fire. Well, for me, it was exactly like this. I kept thinking about why is this happening to my sister? And I was getting nowhere. And I certainly wasn't useful in the situation. But one thing that can help us is find somebody to walk alongside of you and help you go through this time of rain. They can hold you up and encourage you through this time. And one way to do this here at LifePoint is to get involved in relationships, community groups. And I know what you're all thinking. You're saying, oh, wow, he's doing a shameless plug for community groups. He's the community life pastor. But part of that's from where I've been. If it were, I was involved in a group back then. And if it weren't for those people holding me up, they were an anchor during this time through their words, through their actions, and sometimes just through their silence. Do not doubt alone. Now, one of the things I struggled with was not knowing the road that lied ahead for my sister. I mean, it's not like once I ran to God that everything, you know, got resolved. I know that can be the case because many times I've seen him do miraculous things in my life and those around me. But this time that wasn't happening. But one thing that I sensed was that somebody was walking this with me and holding me up because there is no way I could have done it myself. I could really sense that somebody was carrying me like the dad in that video. God was very close to me. And the thing that I had to be content with was knowing that I don't know. During this time, my logic and reasoning, it wasn't working out. One plus one was not equaling two for me. In some cases, right, we, with rain in our lives, we can look to things 
either caused by us or somebody else, and we can say, that's the reason why this is happening. But have you ever been at a spot when you've said, Lord, will you show me if this I'm in my circumstance because of something I've done? And then there's no answer. And it remains to be a mystery. For me, that was what I was running up against. But what did comfort me during this time were words in the Bible that alluded to this very thing. As Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. These are tough words to swallow when you are aching and in pain. But the fact that they're hard does not mean that they are not true. I want a God that is bigger than me. And with that desire comes the fact and the reality that there will be times in my life where I don't understand what's going on. And I have to ask God to help me to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is his love for me and to know this love that surpasses my understanding and that I would be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. And given just a glimpse of that, it's enough for us to move forward in our lives, moving forward in that promise that now we may see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall fully, even as I am fully known. Now, I must say that I struggled with this because with every appointment of my sisters, you know, we'd go to every specialist, and I'd come out, and I'd say, Lord, you didn't hear me. It's the same news as it was before. She's got the same terminal diagnosis. Do you hear me? And what I found myself doing was always looking for ways to see if God actually heard me. Of course he heard me. Rob said it in the, in the video. Scripture tells us that all over the place. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears him. But what I was doing was focusing only on the expected, which was keep my sister's life, keep her alive. And I failed to see him working in other ways. So pray for the miracle and expect him to act. But don't fail to see how much of a miracle he may be performing in the unexpected. God was so active in my sister's journey, it just took me a while to see it. You see, my sister's relationship with her husband got so bad that all she wanted to do was leave that home and return home and be loved by her parents and all of us. When it came down to it, when her days were numbered, the thing she wanted to do was be loved. And I remember in my quiet times the verse in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It didn't matter about the house, the trips, what little money that they had. She desired to be loved and to give love. So my whole family returned home, all of us. You know, I was in my 30s, and my brother came. We all lived under the same roof with mom and dad. This time, my brother and I moved into my sister's room, and we just had 
for the months that we had, they were an experience that I can never describe to you. We were blessed beyond belief. Friends and family came to share with her and just spend time with Leslie. Now, the disease wasn't getting better, but the love that she experienced, it carried her. It helped her. It gave her a sense of joy throughout all of this. And for me and for my family, we saw God working through others. So look around and pray, asking God to give you that divine eye to see what he may be doing. I want to share just a few other things with you that show you that God was just all there all along. My sister was the one in the house that gave my two-year-old and my seven-year-old all of their experiences in life. Not things or stuff, but relationships and experiences. And before she was going to die, she pulled her her kids by and said, Mommy is going to die. And my oldest nephew said, But Mommy, who is going to take us to Cape Cod to see Grammy and Grandpa? Who is going to take us to Raleigh, North Carolina to see our cousins? And that put a smile on my sister's face because she knew that all of her time, all of her energies, in the end, that's what mattered most to them. And it was to her, just as God said, that love is the greatest thing. And it's just like in Ecclesiastes. Everything else is meaningless. Meaningless. Now, as a Christian, my sister still had questions about dying. And she went to her pastor a couple weeks before and got those resolved. To me, that was an example of dealing with her doubt. But the only thing she struggled with was how poorly her husband treated her during this illness, and she had a hard time forgiving him. So in her final days, she was final day, she was fighting death so hard that the hospice nurse pulled us aside in the kitchen and said, "Is there somebody or something that she has not resolved things with?" And at that moment, my brother-in-law and my family went into the room. He went to her and asked for her forgiveness and crying out, reached out. She reached out her hand and she breathed her last breath and went to be with the Lord. God carried my sister through her journey with cancer. There were so many moments like this that pointed left and right to God working in this whole thing. He was active. He took care of her and he blessed our family at the same time. Was it pain-free? No. Is it pain-free? No. But I can say that he comforted us. And we serve a God who's bigger than us and who loves us and is there even when we don't understand. So in your season of doubt, don't go at it alone. Turn toward God. Find others to walk with it through you. Read his words. Allow it to come in and shine a light on your path and to help relieve the pain that you're feeling. And in a weird sense, there comes a strange sense of peace and comfort that you will not understand. For some of you, turning toward him may be for the first time in your life saying, Lord, take control of my life. You may be faced with this question that says, will I live life all about me? Or will I give it to somebody greater than me? Give it to somebody greater. Don't wait. And after this service in Theater 2, there are people 
They don't know you, but they love you and they love the Lord. And if you go over there, they can help you begin that relationship. I remember calling my dad and mom from the airport following my sister's death. And as we departed, the weather was nasty. It was rainy. The baggage people looked miserable. They were in their boots, and there was gray skies. Everything was depressing. And as we lifted off, we went through those clouds, and then we poked through the clouds, and I was blinded in that little window by the sun hitting me and the blue sky. And it made me smile and think, in the storms of life, we can fail to realize that God is there all along. The clouds and the rain, they don't mean that God is not there and and that he's inactive. No. He loves us so much that he's always there. And if that weren't so, then why did he die on that cross for us? He didn't do it for the birds of the sky or the fish in the ocean because the Bible says that we're more valuable than that to him. He died for us. And this morning, what we're going to do is take communion. It's something we do every week here at LifePoint. So if the ushers would come on down, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, go ahead and take one of those packets. If not, it's okay just to let it pass by. Spurgeon once wrote, If now with eyes defiled and dim we see the signs but we see not him, Oh, may his love the scales displace and bid us view him face to face. Spurgeon was calling Christians to view Christ face to face. But what does that mean? Because we can't look physically at him. But we can, as Christ, look at Christ as Moses did with the eyes of faith. And Hebrews 11.27 says that faith gives us substance to see the invisible. So this morning, as the music plays, let's honor Christ by doing what he asked us to do, to take that bread and juice in remembrance of what he did for us on that cross.